Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the My Mike and I podcast. I am your host, Noah Alvarez. If my voice sounds a little bit raspier than usual, well, I apologize. I am feeling a little bit under the weather this week. It's October. The wind has picked up, especially here in Southern California. The seasons are changing, and I don't usually get sick often, but when I do get sick, I get very sick. And so hopefully this is just one of the two, three times a year I get sick and it'll be over by the end of next week. But nonetheless, excuse the raspiness in the voice, still going to try and do my best and provide great content on the podcast for y'all to listen to. Hope you guys are having a great October, by the way, I just mentioned in that. It's a great time for sports fans. You got the hockey season already starting, NBA just around the corner there in preseason right now at the time of this recording, the MLB playoffs. Yes, that's starting up. You also got Halloween right around the corner, too. Hope everyone has uh, has safe Halloween plans, whether you're going to parties, trick-or-treating, or just doing you know costume shows at, at your local pub or grill or kind of bar restaurant. Whatever you do for Halloween, hope you guys enjoy your safe Halloween traditions. It's a good October, unless you're a Dodgers fan. And I bring that up because... Me growing up in Southern California, I grew up around a lot of Dodger fans, and my me myself, I never liked the Dodgers. I don't want to say I'm a Dodger hater, because you know I like a lot of the players on their team. I like Corey Seager, I really like Cody Bellinger as well. I like Max Muncy and Will Smith, uh, their young catcher. I like a lot of the young core players, and I've always appreciated Kershaw's work during the regular season. But the reason why I bring this up, it's not a good October if you're a Dodgers fan, because they lost in heartbreaking fashion to the Washington Nationals of all teams in the National League Division Series first round of the baseball series for those of you who are unfamiliar with how the baseball playoffs work out but um, the reason I bring this up too is because not because there's a lot of Dodger fans listening yes but I do want to plug an article I wrote for theballout.com talking about what the loss means for this Dodgers team you know they lost last night at the time of this recording I'm recording this Thursday night and they lost Wednesday night in extra innings. It went 10 innings, and it was a 3-1 ball game. The Dodgers were up in the seventh inning. Kershaw comes in, gets his out against a lefty batter of Adam Eaton. Then they throw him out for the eighth inning, and he gives up back-to-back home runs to Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto. Then Kershaw gets pulled, but the damage has been done. It was already tied 3-3. The Dodgers score their last runs in the second inning, and they had they, you know their offense went blank for the rest of the game. So props to... Steven Strasburg, but also the Nationals bullpen for, you know, keeping the Dodgers in check. And then in the 10th inning, they had Joe Kelly out for the second inning of work after pitching a scoreless ninth inning. The Dodgers marched back out Joe Kelly, and he did the unthinkable. He walked two batters. He gave up a ground rule double. Next thing you know, bases are loaded. And I was watching this as I was editing a, a video for the coaches show. And I was watching this with two Dodger fans, or one was a really passionate Dodger fan. The other, both Dodger fans, we will say. And we're, they were watching it on, on their laptop in the other room. And sure enough, we were just, I went over to watch it because, you know, base is loaded. It's a, it's a must-watch situation. Howie Kendrick comes up to the plate, and, you know, one of them says, oh, it's going to be a double play. The other one says, no, it's going to be a weak single to right field. And I'm going to be like, no, it's, I even said, hey, it's going to be a pop-up in foul territory, you know. Howie Kendrick, I, to be honest, before this baseball series, before the NLDS, I had no idea Howie Kendrick was even playing baseball. Uh, I thought he had. I thought he had retired. He wasn't on the team. I didn't even know he was on the Nationals. It comes up with a huge grand slam off Joe Kelly, pitched down right down in the zone, but right down the middle. 
Howie Kendrick takes it straight away center, and that puts the Nationals up seven, or excuse me, up four, seven to three, and that was the final score. Dodgers get eliminated from the playoffs. For a team that was, you know, I talk about this more in my article, so if you want to go check that out, again, I wrote an article for theballout.com. Go check it out. But for the Dodgers, you know, this this is a team supposed to go to the World Series. After making it to two World Series, they have a star-studded team, win the most, have the most wins in the regular season in franchise history. So, you know, very disappointing postseason. Uh, my hat's off to you for, you know, the Dodger fans out there. I know you guys are suffering. Even though the Dodgers losing brings me amusement, you know, I still feel bad for you guys, just my family members, my friends that are Dodger fans. So, hope you guys feel better soon, even if you don't, that means not watching the rest of the MLB postseason. I also did want to plug The Coaches Show. That's a weekly show that I do covering the Fullerton College sports. You can find that on YouTube. Search up KBPK. That's KBPK. Um, that's the radio station channel. We post up a weekly show. You can also sign, find some of my broadcasts too that I do there. So I got, I got a volleyball broadcast coming up soon, so I'm excited about that. Um, and then speaking of, you know, sports and all this stuff too, you know, it's Thursday. I'm recording this, and after I got off work, I was driving down my neighborhood. The streetlights were already on because it was kind of dark already. And, you know, we haven't had cable at my house for the past, like, three months. I, didn't, I, I guess I didn't realize how much I took for granted cable because as I drove down the neighborhood, you know, most of the houses on the neighborhood, you could see the, the people's living room, their house's living room. And then most people have a big TV. And a lot of people are watching Thursday Night Football, the Patri Patriots and the New York Giants. And, you know, I've had cable, so I, we haven't had NFL Network, and I haven't been able to watch Thursday Night Football this whole entire NFL season. And so I just, you know, I got to say, I really took for granted having cable growing up. But there's, you know, other substitutions. I know a lot of people, especially my age, when they move out, you know, they know cable's expensive, and that's why my parents, you know, uh, they dropped the cable package that they had because DirecTV and Dish were just straight, you know, bending them over with prices and shit like that. But nonetheless, you know, you have, you have other streaming networks you can use I, I have netflix i have you know i have a friend's hulu account i have a friend's espn plus account i have my own amazon account and hbo and that as well but um nonetheless i mean there's a lot of good shows on those channels too or on those streaming devices and streaming networks like big mouth big mouth season three came out <laughs> and holy shit that show is so wild you forget sometimes uh when you know before the new season comes out we're actually going to do a big mouth podcast hopefully next week with some friends that I have, you know, a few of them that have been on the show, just waiting for them to get back to me and as we set up a date. But yeah, that looks like it's going to be the next show's topic. Um, also, I experimented, not experimented, but I got a FUBU free trial and FUBO TV, not the, not the shoe brand, not FUBU, <laughs> FUBO TV. And um, that has been bad as well. I've been able to watch some postseason baseball on that as well. So there's definitely other options out there. Hopefully, you know, I didn't realize, I guess, as an adult, I didn't realize how expensive cable and other TV network providers are. So, yeah, that's a struggle. <laughs> anyways, 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 before we get into this week's show, didn't want to go over the listener interaction questions of this week. And I got a lot more. I posted it both on my the My Mike and I Instagram page. If you don't follow that, that's at my period Mike and period I. That's my period Mike and period the letter and on my personal Instagram account, noha underscore Alvarez. But I got a few responses to those questions, or I got a few questions asked to my response or to my question. I don't know how that works out. Nonetheless, the first one I'm going to answer, Chris. 
Chris. I play basketball with Chris at the 24 by my house. And he asked, because I posted it with a, a tweet, a screenshot of my tweet, he said, bruh, did you really laugh at your own tweet, LMAO? Yes, Chris. If you hadn't known, the best love is self-love. That's a quote from Ari Lennox. She sings a really great song about it. You should definitely go check it out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, of course, you gotta you gotta support yourself. And I, you know, I try to plug my Twitter account on Instagram so people will think I'm funny and go follow that. <laughs> the next question that I got asked was by a former student of mine, Roman. He wants to know, do you play fantasy football? Well, the question is kind of complicated. Yes, I do play fantasy. I don't play fantasy football this season per se in 2019 NFL season, but I've been playing fantasy football for the past like, mm, like 12, 13 years. And even though I'm 25, and you might think, do the math. Oh well, 13 years ago you were, you know, you were 12 years old. Yes, I was playing fantasy football at a really young age. And it was funny because this year I was planning on playing fantasy football. I was in two keeper leagues and two leagues that I really liked playing with. And I've done the thing where I try and juggle three or more leagues. I, one year I played like in six different leagues with, you know, the different works that I was at and school friends and then friends from Sacramento and then friends from Orange County in high school. And so I was just in a lot of different leagues and I was like, you know what, I got to cut this down to just two. So last week I just, or last year I believe I just did two fantasy leagues, and this year I was planning on just doing those two fantasy leagues again this year, but both of them discontinued, and it was funny too because friends were asking me, you know, hey, you want to join my fantasy football league? And it's like, nah, bro, I'm already in two, you know, more than two for is a lot for me, and those people who have tried to do more than two, even two can be sometimes difficult, but for the friends who have tried to do more than two, it gets really complicated because sometimes you're rooting for a player on one team, but that player you're also facing him on another fantasy league and so you can kind of be a double-edged sword sometimes and so not a fan but to answer your question it's a little complicated yes I do play fantasy football but I do not play this season then my Thea Artie and to I guess the rest of you she would just be Artie uh, she asked why do fans of teams that didn't make the postseason talk smack with a laughing emoji and uh you know she's that's pretty much a direct response if you know i'm a arizona diamondbacks fan i also root for the oakland a's i like rooting for these small market baseball teams but i grew up a big diamondbacks fan and you know rivaled my cousins and my aunts and uncles on my mom's side that were dodger fans and uh, of course you know I, I made that tweet that i posted on instagram in in uh in, in front of the dodger fans and they're suffering from wednesday night's postseason loss and so really i guess to answer the question the best way is just whenever a team is down it's always easy to poke fun at that team's fan base i remember when i was a carolina panthers fan, no not when i was a carolina panthers fan but when the carolina panthers went to super bowl 50 and lost in an embarrassing fashion by the way i received a lot of crap from a lot of and a lot of football fans that their team didn't even make the playoffs so you know it's always easy to pick on the person when they're down it's just the nature of the sport you know you give and you take sometimes you take more than you give and sometimes you give more than you take but nonetheless you know i won't stop clowning the dodgers even if my teams are in the playoffs or not just because like i said earlier i get a slight a little bit of amusement when the dodgers choke in the postseason and that that has qu happened quite often in my lifetime so as you can hear i'm a pretty happy person <laughs> next question was asked by a co-worker of mine and a good friend of uh, my girlfriend and i monica she asked, what food do you like better, Indian or French food? 
to be honest, I haven't had too much French food in my past, uh, in, in my lifetime, and I don't think I've had too much Indian food as well. I do really like chicken masala, chicken tiki masala, and chicken tandoori, tandoori chicken. There's been like three Indian restaurants that my uncles have taken me to around Orange County, in the really in the Santa Ana Tustin area, that I've really liked the chicken there and really like the seasonings, and I really like naan bread. So. I'm gonna have to go with Indian food just because I haven't had a whole lot of experience with French food. I do like crepes. I think crepes are cool. I think, yeah, crepes are French. But as far as anything else, off the top of my head, panini. Uh, paninis being French, yeah, they're good, but you know, it's just, it's a different form of sandwich. You know, it's a, it's a European torta, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, I'm gonna go with Indian food. Thanks for asking the question, though, Monica. That was a good one. Then my homie Chris from Sacramento State, he's, uh, he's also an editor at The Ball Out. Be sure to check out some of his written work too. Chris asked me, where's the OC Food Review at? Now Chris, if you're asking me to start a, uh, a blog blogging about the OC food scene, well, I'm sorry, you're shit out of luck. I just don't have the time for that commitment. But if you ask, if you do need, or if you are in the Orange County area and you need some food suggestions, definitely hit me up some great food places around where I live. Been to a few great spots in Orange County. One of my favorite Mexican restaurants, El Toro Bravo. You can, uh, there's one in Costa Mesa, one in Tustin too. They have these tacos that are double tortilla, but they're huge. They're like, two, I, I eat a lot. And anyone who knows me knows I eat a lot. And like two, maybe three of those tacos will fill me up for like a good four to five hours. Those those taco servings are huge. Definitely go check out El Toro Bravo. And, you know, if Chris or somebody else, if you have any other uh, food suggestions, then you're in the Orange County area, feel free to hit me up. I've definitely been, I'm well cultured, I guess I could say, too. It's not just Mexican restaurant, not just sushi, not just whatever. Like, I have a pretty good, I have a pretty good background of the different food scenes here at Orange County. Then the last question that I was asked, Griffin. Shout out to the homie Griff. He answered uh, one of the listener interaction questions a few weeks back, too. What are your goals for the 2020 year and the next decade? Wow. So two questions in one. The goal for 2020, I have a few different ones, right? And it kind of carries on to this year's goals because this year's goal is really just to get a lot of exposure and apply to jobs in the industry, the sports media industry. And 2020 is where 2019 was more focused on the exposure and really perfecting my craft 2020 is going to be the year where i put it all together i put my portfolio together and really the number one goal is to win not win but earn myself a job whether it's in a a smaller market and out of state or you know earning a job in a market like los angeles whether it's staying in state in california it doesn't matter if i have to move to timbuktu and Canada and it's freezing every winter, I will do it just because, you know, that's the type of industry that I, I'm trying to pursue in. So that's my goal for 2020. Another goal for 2020, move out. Uh, I would like to move out. I've realized as I've gotten older, I'm very particular about certain things and there's nothing against, you know, living with other people, but just the people I live, I have lived with, I, I just, I don't find too pleasing in my experiences so i just i'd like to you know have that experience of living on my own for a little bit whether it's with myself or one or two other roommates whether it's like i said here in orange county here in the la southern california area or somewhere out of state depending on where my job goes i'd like to move out so that kind of goes hand in hand with my job um but those are those are the two big goals i have another couple of little minor goals here and there 
2019, my goal was to read five books. I'm on book number three, technically. I don't know if I'll get to five. But next year, I'd like to up that to like, you know, eight books during the year. So I have a lot of small goals like that. But the big two biggest ones, land a job in the sports media industry, a paying job, and then also move out of my parents' house. Thank you to everyone who asked a question this week. I didn't get a chance to post it on Twitter or Facebook, but I'll be sure to do it next week. But yeah, thanks for answering those questions. Really good questions too. Really appreciate every single one of you. This will be a good time to remind you guys that you can listen to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play. You can also listen on TuneIn, Stitcher, and a few different other websites as well. Be sure to check us out, leave a rating and review. Oh, and don't forget too, we can also be found on the Big Heads Podcast Network. The Big Heads Podcast is home to many great podcasts like mine, but also the Curious Kids Podcast. And I don't know if you remember being a kid, but you're very curious, at least I was. And so the premise, the basis of this show is very cool. Here's an advertisement describing more on their show. Hello, my name is Jacob. And I'm his co-host, five-year-old Olivia. Do you have kids? And are your kids curious? If you answered yes, you should check out Curious Kid Podcast, a weekly educational podcast for curious kids and grown-ups. Every week we learn about another topic. We've already learned about spiderwebs, batteries, the moon, and so much more. You can find us at CuriousKidPodcast.Buzzsprout.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Boom, Noah Alvarez back in action to tell you about episode 75 of the My Mike and I podcast. Episode 75, three quarters of a century old. Thanks for everyone that stuck it out through the process, through the growth of this podcast. Really appreciate you. But back to the episode, I bring on one of my day ones, and we throw around the term day ones a lot, but this is truly one of my day ones, you know, especially since moving to the city of Orange, one of my closer friends. We played high school football together. His name is Charles Kendrick. He's one of the hardest working athletes I've known when it came to fitness, when it came to the weight room, when it came to, you know, training on and off the field. It was all about football. And we basically talk about our experience and how youth sports kind of instilled a hard work ethic as well as a good discipline characteristics in us from a a youth level and has allowed us to overcome our adversities now as adults. We talk about it because we both have coached. We both work with kids as well, different age level of kids, but we both work with, you know, youth. And we talk about, you know, how the differences in their hard work ethic and their discipline as well. He also coaches at a high school in high school football, and he talks about how the different CIF rules affect the time spent with the kids and what values they could teach them and stuff like that. So it's a fun conversation all surrounding the differences of discipline, differences of hard work as between different generations. So it's a lot of fun. Without further ado, hope you enjoy the conversation between Charles Kendrick and I. All right, so like I do with every guest, thanks again for hopping on the show. We're here to talk about hard work and in my opinion, no one better to have on the show to talk about hard work because, you know, you're one of the hardest working dudes I've known and played football with. So how do you define hard work? For me, personally, I would say hard work is something you're going to have to be willing to do, willing to wake up at 6 a.m. every morning, six days a week, with one rest day. 
or whether it be studying, going on a field, waking up at 6 a.m. or doing a 9 to 5 every day. Hard work is a definition. Or for me, the definition of hard work would just be getting up at 6 a.m., doing your thing every day, still being focused, motivated, grinding. You have a purpose that you want to reach, and you need to hit that purpose. You're going to do whatever it takes to hit that purpose. Whether it be two hours, running on two hours of sleep, three hours of sleep, four hours of sleep, you're going to do whatever it takes. No matter what obstacles you may face, no matter what's in your way, you're going to find a way to overcome that. And that's what the definition of hard work is to me. Everything possible to get that success. Mm -hmm. That's why I would say hard work, I would define this. Mm -hmm. What are some things that, because I know on the football field, you're one of the the hardest working dudes I ever played football with. But what are some other areas you felt like your hard work ethic really helped you out? I want to say with coming into jobs, the way you would see things and react to things with hard work, it makes you see things different. You could tell who works hard and who doesn't by the way you're talking to people. You could tell, like, yo, how, how could I approach this person what is my style of work ethic? What is going to work best for me to approach this person? Because I do security. So my job type, for the most part, is trying to de-escalate a situation between two people. So I need to see what's going to work best for me. So going through football, getting yelled at, you know, getting <laughs> talked to, it kind of tells me like, hey, I didn't react to getting yelled to very very well so I can't go at this person and just yell because if I didn't like that yeah, more than likely this person is not going to like it mm-hmm. so I'm going to be like alright this might not approach work but then you have some people where it's like alright I have to yell at it I have to do this and you can see some people have that 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 persona I per se that you you feel when you're talking to someone like they can handle this, they can handle that, and it's all objects of hard work. Because if you're not putting in hard work, you're not gonna be able to really see that different stereotypes. Because a lot of people, if you're gonna be lazy, you're gonna sit on the couch, kick back. Yeah, you're not gonna really interact. You're just gonna see what people do on TV, and then you're gonna you're gonna perceive that's the normal mm-hmm. when that's so far from the normal. So I say all that hard work is. I would say a big factor in just telling character of a person. Because some people, if you work hard, you're going to have mannerisms. You're going to be like, yes, sir, no, sir. And then you have some people who are like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Or it's also a discipline thing. Yeah. If you huge. think about it. If you think about it. Because a lot of people that didn't work hard, they don't have discipline. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing. One thing I believe every everyone should have is discipline. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have hard work and you don't have that work ethic, you're not going to really have that discipline. Or say you have some discipline, but you're not willing to work hard well. How do I put it? It's a little different. You can't, you can't just go through life thinking everything's going to come without working because mm-hmm. if you don't work hard you're never going to be able to achieve what it is you want yeah and you're right about the discipline just because for me at least 
I was really disciplined as far as like the physical aspect of things, like playing football and playing sports was like a really good model for me just to learn the day in and day outs, like in the weight room, in the in the film room, and then on the field, discipline, discipline, discipline. But I really struggled as far as like in, in the books, like studying and like just doing research and that kind of stuff. But as I got older and then went through higher education, you know, community college and then four-year university college, I had to really learn how to discipline myself as far as like in the books because that was like a area I was weak in. And even now, you know, the, the broadcasting things that I do now on the podcast and stuff like that, it takes a lot of discipline because you know, I have a lot of friends that want to be the same, doing the same thing I do. You know, people that you know and people that I consider myself really good friends and they say they know sports and they could be really good at it, you know, but they just don't have that discipline. They just don't have that hard work ethic and they don't know how to go about like committing to things. And I think that's, um, it really, like you were talking about, like meeting other people and you can see it just like coworkers from wherever I worked at. Some people have it and some people don't. And you can tell the people who don't, they, they're just like, like you said, they're kind of like, oh, whatever, you know, oh, you know, yeah, sure, I'll do that. But like, they're not really serious about it. And even as a personal trainer, that's like one thing is like really getting people to be disciplined as far as like getting to their goal, right? Because you know, just like some of the people I train, they work out hard, but then they don't eat necessarily the best at home. And I tell them, you know, it's, it's like 60, 40, you know, what you eat is going to have 60% of like what your results end up being, right? You can work as hard as you want in the gym, then go home and eat McDonald's and all that crap. And it's not going to help. You know I mean? You're not going to lose the weight. You're not going to get muscular. You're not going to get your goals. You have to really make that commitment and discipline. So it's something that you definitely see when you get older a lot of people your age or just that you interact with don't have that same work ethic. See, going back to the books and going back to work ethic and discipline in high school, you know, I didn't care about the books. I can't sit here and say I cared about the books. I did, I did the books and I did care to an extent, but that extent was so I could play football. Mm-hmm. And that was my mindset when I was a youngster. Now, as I got older, not too old, guys. I'm still still <laughs> fairly young. But as I got older, my mentality changed. And it's like trying to find that focus and that hard work and that dedication to, to study and to be in the books more is not easy for a lot of people. First mm-hmm. thing, like, let's say an athlete who's just focused on like, oh, I want to be the best athlete. I don't care about the books. I don't care about school. I just want to be the best athlete there is. And then he realizes, hey, I have to start studying for the books. Mm -hmm. This is when you're going to see if this kid or this young man or this young woman or whoever it is has work ethic or has hard work or doesn't because he or she is going to put the time in. They're going to set this time or whether it be 10 minutes a day evolve into 10 to 20 minutes and then 20 minutes to 40 minutes and then 40 minutes to an hour hour to an hour 30 they're putting that time in and they're taking that time saying hey I'm not the best at the books but I'm gonna do whatever it takes Mm -hmm. whatever is necessary for me to get better at my craft because this is part of something I had to do at my craft Mm -hmm. and a lot of the thing with discipline is kids don't realize when we're young we don't realize like, oh, I'm going to use football because I was a football player. These football coaches, they're not out here just to teach you about football. Or they're teaching discipline mm-hmm. because this is something you're going to need in life. Yeah. 
And that's something, you know, as youngsters, we don't get. We think he's just yelling at us for the football for the aspect. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. But it starts to carry over. Like, for example, the most known thing is football players are always known to say, yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. So you can tell someone was disciplined in saying, yes, sir. Because when someone asks you a question outside, they're like, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times people were like, oh, you're a football player. You must have been in the military because you answered, yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. And it's like, no, it's just the little disciplined things we learn in football. Because mm-hmm. we're going to carry that hard work we're learning on the football field into the books and into whatever it is we're doing, like life. Yeah, it's just any life. Exactly. So it's like, that kid right there, if he's willing to take that time and take whatever it, whatever steps is necessary to achieve his goals in the classroom and on the field, that is the definition of hard work right there. To go mm-hmm. back to what you said earlier. Because if you have that kid that's not going to do it, not going to do it, he's going to work hard at football, but he's not going to work hard in the classroom, mm-hmm. then you got to ask yourself, are you really working hard? Because mm-hmm. at that point, you're you're half, you're half assing it. Or you're doing the steps necessary to get by. Mm-hmm. You're not really working hard. You're just getting by. You're just floating by. You're that straggler that's like, hey, mm-hmm. if I do just this much and let everyone else do just this much more, we're still going to get by. And I don't have to work as hard as everyone else. Mm-hmm. But I'm still going to get by. And that's where a lot of kids these days, I feel like, get lost. Because they're like, oh, I just want to get by. Mm-hmm. They're not appreciating the values. And it's like, for us as football coaches, or for me as a football coach, you as a personal trainer, it, it goes hand in hand. It's like, how can I teach these guys to be disciplined? Mm-hmm. How can I teach these guys that, hey, what I'm teaching you now is just to give your best effort because if you work hard, you're going to achieve it. Mm-hmm. If you sit here and say, I wish I want this, I wish I had that, but wishes don't always come true. But if you want to work to it and you take the steps, it may not happen right now, but you're going to get to it. Yeah. And you're going to have to work hard to get to it. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's how it kind of relates in the discipline aspect. You throw that, you, We want to throw that on in the discipline aspect. You're going to have to discipline yourself like, hey, I have to set this timer. I have to do this. Mm-hmm. If you're not disciplined, you're not going to do it. If you're disciplined, you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. One of the things I do every day <clears throat> that I cannot start my morning without doing I can't do anything without doing it. It's like I could go get a drink and that's about it, but I can't I can't if I don't make my bed I can't leave that room. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's a discipline thing. It's not something I have to do. It's not something that's like mandatory or needs to be done. It's something that's like, hey, my day is gonna be pretty messed up (laughs) (laughs) if I don't make my bed. Right. Just that whole atmosphere. If I don't make my bed it's gonna it's going to be a wrap. Like, my yeah. day's going to be disastrous. Mm-hmm. So, it's like just that little discipline of making my bed every day gives me the satisfaction. Like, hey, it's going to be a good day today. Yeah. Because it's like that. Well, my mom always stressed that on me, too. Making the bed every day before we do anything, before we'd even eat or do anything during a day as a kid. And so, it just became natural a habitat or habit that I grew up with. But, um, it, because I remember she shared a video with me once we were older. We were like in high school with both me and my sister, and she shared this video that, you know, she found on Facebook, and it was like 
people who make their bed, you have the, the sense of accomplishment. You can start your day off saying, hey, I made my bed. Like, you know what I mean? Even if it's like uh, a little of accomplishment as that, it's something that you put yourself your mind to and you had to like, you know, be determined to finish it because there's a lot of people who don't make their beds, right? Um, so, you know, it's just like if you could start your day off with that little accomplishment, that little accomplishment will give you like a little boost and a little boost of confidence throughout your day as far as achieving other things. And I thought it was pretty cool. It was like a actual like psychologist talking about making the bed and you know so it's like my mom had to rub it in she's like see i told you guys you know but just going back to what you said too about like football i think that's something that's like underappreciated is like football really breeds like good and hardworking men for a lot of times too you know you think of coaches like you said they're these hard asses but they got lives of their own too you know but they're they're taking them they're taking time out of their day out of their lives to really help kind of like gift tools not only on the field, but like you said, off the field as well, um, and in the weight room. And a lot of stuff is very militaristic. I mean, you and I both know people who played football and now are in the military because it's very similar. You know, it's like an easier transition for them. But I mean, you look at the coaches that we had just like in high school, and I'm sure even at your college and, and at my college, these people always stress like grades, but they also stress, you know, they would always ask, how's your family? They would always ask and try and do the most they could just to kind of like, help you with other problems I felt like they were always it was just more than football it wasn't just hey I can only approach him about a football question no it's like if I had something a question about something else in life that I was struggling with because a lot of people you know didn't have those male role models so I feel like as as coaches sometimes you serve as those male role models because last year just working with the kids at the boys and girls club you know me and Josh we got a coach a flag football team you know a little eight on eight that. I remember that yeah and you know that was that was like my first experience coaching any sport and um coaching football specifically too one of my favorite sports one of the sports I know the most about and that was a lot of fun so much more on the and I didn't realize how much fun it would be on the like outside of football you know just helping like a lot of these kids needed role models because a lot of them didn't have father figures or good father figures in their life and so just to kind of be that that figure for them and help mold them you know, teach them a little bit of hard work ethic and a little bit of determination, a little bit of uh, discipline, you know, little stuff here and there. It, it was it was a cool feeling, you know, because by the end of the year, you see the transformation in that half a year, you know, or those three, not even half a year, like three, four months that I'm with them. You know, I don't want to limit it to just football. I'm going to shout out all the coaches, whether, whether it's men's basketball, mm-hmm. girls' basketball, you know, all, anyone anyone that's coaching, as a coach myself, I'm going to give a shout-out to Esperanza Aztecs. That's, that's where I'm coaching. Our, our, our game's Friday at Yorba Linda, 15. <laughs> Come check out the freshman guys. But uh, I'm just going to say, as my aspect as a football coach, with, with the work we put in, I, it's, it's a lot more than just football. There's a lot more than just wanting to teach them about the game because, like you said, I was growing up in a single in a single parent household. I only had my mother. I didn't have that male role model. So when I first started playing football, was it was eighth grade, and the coach I had was Clark Smith, current currently the head coach that I'm coaching underneath for. Mm-hmm. So he was. He kind of took on that position as that male role model. He kind of helped me. Dis- he kind of helped discipline me in an aspect where I'm now looking back at it like, hey, this man really helped mold me into the person I am. Now it's my turn, like, 
to help mold these people. Like, I already know one of our star players. I'm not going to say no names, but <laughs> one of our star players, He he's on our team. He, he doesn't have a father figure, and I found that out because of the way, you know, he carries himself. So I kind of asked him, and he told me that, and, you know, we talked about it. I told him the way I grew up and the way it affected me because I found out he was going through some similar things, you know. Mm-hmm. He he didn't like when his church had a dad, a dad and Sunday. And mm-hmm. I told him how, you know, I told him how I'd get mad because my elementary school would have a father-son uh, camp out. You know? Yeah. I'd be riding my bike and I'd ride past it like mad as hell. Like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. All these guys having a good time with their dad and I'm over here and I'm like, mm-hmm. I ain't got that. So, and then, what I want to do is I want these kids to know like, hey, I'm working this hard because I want y'all to learn the discipline, the respect, and and, and being able to grow up in a young, fine men. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a successful football player or not this is a game and you're out here to have fun the real values I want to teach you mm-hmm. that I have to figure out ways where I have to stay up late at night the reason why I've explained this is because the work coaches put in I, I believe is so underrated mm-hmm. because people don't understand how hard it is we're working on plays on scouting reports you know what we're going to do to beat this defense this offense and it's still how how we could discipline these kids and work with these kids. <laughs> yeah. Discipline these kids, work with these kids, and, uh, you know, just let them know, like, hey, we relate to you guys. We've been in your shoes at this point, at this one point in time. So we know we know what it's feeling. We know it gets hard, but, like, this is why we want to push you. We want you to know that you could do this hard work and you could be that successful person in the classroom and out the classroom if you put that work in it. Mm-hmm. See, another cool thing is I'm able to do security on the campus that I coach at. So I get to watch these kids not only on the football field, bro, but also in the classroom, making mm-hmm. sure they're doing their work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's cool because I get to do I get to do that extra work and that extra be that extra person like, hey, even on campus, if you need someone to talk to, bro, pull me aside. You know, I'm a campus supervisor. I'm here to help y'all. I want to help you guys, so I'm going to work my hardest to help you guys each and every day. No matter if I got one hour of sleep, like we were saying, two hours of sleep, 30 minutes of sleep. When you come to me with a problem, we're going to work as hard as we can to help your problem. Because you may not have that role, that male role model that's going to drop what he's doing to help you. I'm not trying to replace anyone's dad. Now let's get that. Straight. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I just want them to know, like, hey, I'm here to work just as hard as any father would to help you figure out a solution, to help you understand, like, mm-hmm. this discipline and hard work relates to everything. Mm-hmm. It's not just one thing. I'm gonna work hard for you, so you need to work hard for the generation that's coming underneath you, mm-hmm. and help the generation that came before you. It's not just about one person. Mm-hmm. That's one. That's one thing I would say. You know, as coaches, people don't understand the hard work that we put in. Whether it's football, basketball, track, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Whether it's <clears throat> just coaching at a, a middle school, like you said, going to YMCA. That's still affecting someone in the work you guys are putting in. Yeah, is honestly. 
probably one of the most time consuming work people can put in. Yeah. Like if you're a coach, you understand the hard work it takes, but if you're watching from the outside in, you only get to see like that three hours of work. Mm-hmm. That maybe six, seven hours if you're that parent that goes with practice every day. <laughs> yeah. You get to see that little bit of work. So it's cool right there. That part is really time consuming, but you know, if you got that discipline, the discipline is going to be everything. Yeah, and it's super worth it. I mean, just to take a step further, man, teaching the kids respect, not only, like I said, not only to respect me when I was their coach on the field, but to respect me and other staff, other adults, because um, they're middle school kids. I'm sure you remember being a middle schooler, and we like to wild out sometimes. And, and you would see that, right? But there's, I, I just, you know, the biggest thing I'd emphasize is there's a time and a place. And when there's an elder, you know, whether it's a staff or some, a teacher at your school or just some other parent, you got to be respectful to them. And another thing, too, you know, because there was a few females on the team with a few girls, um, you know, I always made sure the guys on the team, they always respect the girls all the time. And there was a few times where, you know, at, on campus during program, not during practice, but on, on program, I'd catch them, you know, one of them would say something to a girl that was pretty disrespectful, and I'd bring it up at practice, and I'd discipline them for it. I'd make them run, or I'd make them do up-downs, and, you know, I always emphasize, too, because, like, when you look at NFL players now, what do you think of? Sometimes you, you hear a lot about NFL players getting the domestic violence, right? Yeah. From, you know, from Antonio Brown to James Winston, and there's different cases here and there. Some might be true, some might not. I'm not going to throw everyone under the bus. I'm not saying all football players yeah. are like that, but you get a bad rep for it. And you have to work extra hard now to break that standard and break that stereotype. And so that's one thing I really stressed with my kids. And, you know, by the end of the year, like I said, a lot of things got better. And that was one of them. And that's, you know, that's 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 so cool to see. Just like to help teach them that level of respect. Oh, yeah, man. It definitely is because working on campus, I'm telling you a funny story of a player that, you know, like you said, we're not going to say no names, but... If he, were, if he were to listen to this podcast, he would know exactly who he is. So we had a little incident on campus. The first day I started working as a campus supervisor, I'm sitting there watching lunch, and then next you know, all I see is these kids running. I'm like, why are these kids running? Like, what's going on? I come over here. I walk over there because another series, you got people laughing all that. So I'm walking over there, and it, I start smelling something. I'm like, I'm like something, something must have gone off, and then... I hear a pop, and then I see kids running again. And then all of a sudden, it just starts to smell again. So I, I'm, I'm thinking, like, what's going on? Like, what, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden, I see a kid with a stink bomb running. Mm. You know, back when we had ice cream trucks rolling around, I don't know if that's still a thing in, in most neighborhoods, they're gone. But there's ice cream trucks, you buy those stink bombs. I thought they were gone. I thought they were non-existent no more. So, you know, I was like, oh, we ain't never going to see no stink bombs again. But, no. They made the back. This kid had, like, 40, 50 stink bombs, and he was just letting them off in classroom and all that. And it it was one of our football plays. Mm. And so, you know, I ended up having to go to his classroom, and I had to go get him. And what it just, like, maybe 15, 20 minutes of me giving him talking to him just like bro like what what you doing like why you doing this like I'm not hammering him I'm not showing him like I'm mad at him or something but the way I'm just talking to him I'm like like why would you do this man and he's like I don't know like it was stupid I was like bro but the only thing is I was like are you saying it's stupid because you got caught or are you saying it's stupid because you know bringing that to school was a bad idea yeah 
and you know he kind of froze up on me and I was like look man like, I want you to know I'm not mad at you I understand you didn't mean no harm by it I was like I get it I was in your position once too I was like but dog you, you can't be doing it here there's a time and a place for this and I was like I understand being reckless and you want to have fun and oh you thought it was funny no harm no foul but I was like, you just disrupted your whole class. Mm -hmm. I was like, you just disrespected your teacher. I was like, in probably one of the worst ways right now that you could be disrespected. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, just to see the concern on his face, the way I explained it, like, I was just trying to explain the disciplinary actions. Like, it's like the worst that can happen, bro, is you're going to get suspended. Like, and the concern on his face. And he did get suspended for about three days. Yeah. And, you know, he came back and as coaches we didn't let him play in the week after because you know you're going to be held responsible for your actions mm -hmm. he didn't play the following week he, was, he missed the other game because he was suspended so he missed two games initially because we suspended him for the next week because you know you can't be doing that mm -hmm. we're going to set an example we're not going to kick you off the team but we need to set an example of course yeah because this is where this is where the discipline comes into action we wouldn't let that slide and let him get away with that then he's gonna think oh it's not that serious or it wasn't as big as it was but in reality what he did was was really disrespectful and it had to be punishable that's something that we can't as coaches look past or as a campus supervisor my expert can't look past mm -hmm. so he got suspended and then when he came back you could just see the attitude change the difference in him because now he He's yes sir, no sir. He's running, running everywhere now. He he understands the values or the privilege he has to come play football because he lost it for two weeks. Right. We didn't even let him suit out in practice. Dang. You know, like you can't, you don't get that privilege. Dang, yeah. Because this part is the game. Mm -hmm. And then you didn't mess around, screwed around. Now we got discipline. I was like, you don't get the fun part of this. Mm -hmm. You're still a part of the team, but you don't get the fun part. You get the discipline part. You get the hard work. Now, you're, now we really going to put you to work. Because we made this. I, we, I feel bad for saying this, but we made this kid throw up like about four or five times <laughs> oh, shit. throughout the week because he's just running. He's just running. I'm like, it's hard work, bro. Yeah. Like, you going to know by the end of this what you did was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want you to take it personal. There's nothing personal. I know you better than this, and this is why you're getting punished for it. Mm hmm I was like, so you got to understand that, bro. What you did was not right. The way you was acting was not right. Mm -hmm. So now we got to fix that. And we're going to work hard to fix that. And you're going to be determined to fix that. Because if you're not determined to fix that, and this is the route you're going through, I was like, the mistakes may not follow you now, but they're going to follow you. Right. I was like, once you get older, a slap on the wrist don't become a slap on the wrist no more. I was like, you got to understand mm -hmm. that, bro. Like, we got to break these habits and we got to break them now. So this is going to tell me in the next few years, if I'm still here coaching at Esperanza, my goal is to make it at least four years mm -hmm. just so I can see these kids grow from freshmen to seniors. Mm -hmm. Just to see if he was really willing to work hard and change that persona he had. And I have access to all the rap sheets. And he has rap sheets. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> he has a rap sheet. So I want to help this. I want to help this kid, you know. Yeah. I was that kid. I had a rap sheet. I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. I was an a-hole in high school. You know, you went to high school with me. <laughs> <laughs> I was an a-hole. People, people heard stories from me. Canyon, mm -hmm. all the schools around, they heard stories about me. They knew who I was because they're like, oh, this man, this man, a-hole. Mm -hmm. You know, but I'm trying to save him from being like that a-hole. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. So we trying to fix that. We trying to work out the knots. And we trying to make him work hard and see like you can't be that person. Mm-hmm. And think like it's okay to be that person. Mm-hmm. You gotta treat everyone with respect. Mm-hmm. And just to add, kind of like on that story, man, peer peer pressure is like one hell of a thing, right? I mean, there's a lot of times just working with the kids by themselves, they're fine. Like they're, they're nice, peaceful kids, they're respectful, but then you just get them in a group of four or five of their friends and, and like one kid says, hey, do this. And the other kid says, hey, do that. And, and all of a sudden, like all that goes out the window and you catch them doing something bad and you're like, man, like what the heck were you thinking? You know, it's just that story, you know, I'm sure someone talked them into doing the stink bombs, right? Or, you know, someone, it was a dare or a bed or like, you know what I mean? Like, you know how kids are now. But I remember doing things for, you know, peer pressure, too, that I would never do. And you get in trouble for it, and you're like, what the fuck did I get in trouble for? You know, like, I'm better than that. Exactly, man. And it's like one of the things I like to stress to the football players because I'm the security guard on the West Campus of Esperanza. So that's like the freshman campus. And you know, a lot of things you see, one of the worst things the staff says about them is, hey, these kids are horrible with their trash at lunch. Uh-huh. They leave it, they throw it everywhere. And I'm like looking, I'm sitting there. So I, I, I'm that sneaky guy. I like to be sneaky with these kids. Like they, I, I like to be that person that's like, you ain't gonna see me coming and I'm just gonna be behind you. And then you're gonna be like, oh, I'm caught. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's that's the type of guard I am. So I like to have fun with it. Uh-huh. So, you know, I was hiding out one time. I was hiding out around the corner. Like, these kids thinking there's no security. So I'm just watching. And you know, I see all these kids just with the food just, just throwing it left, right, left, right. I'm like, there's a little like, food fight going on. Uh-huh. So, like, everyone's, like, calming down, you know. I'm walking. I walk up behind the table with all the football players because they're the ones that was throwing most of it. And I'm like, what's up, guys? I was behind them. They all kind of jump and look back at me. I'm like... You know I saw that whole thing. <laughs> and they're like, what whole thing? You know, they try to deny it. They try to deny it. And then I'm like, look, guys, I'm going to give you one option. One option only. <laughs> this is your chance to confess to me and the punishment won't be that hard. Where are you or where are you guys not throwing food around here like it was a madhouse? And then, you know, some of the players, no, no, we not. And then some of the players like, yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, well, you know, we as a team – gonna be on the field we're not gonna do weight room now we're gonna be on the field y'all gonna be with me six period mm-hmm. and so they're like oh what are we doing what are we doing we you gonna see <laughs> between you and me we know i ran these kids yeah <laughs> we all know i ran these kids so i'm running these kids and then i'm just gonna use to finish off this little topic i'm just gonna use um tell you guys exactly what i was saying when these kids run these kids when i'm running these kids i'm letting them know you know you guys are gonna be the prime examples of what you should act or how you should act in public. Mm-hmm. I was like, if there was someone throwing food around you guys, I was like, tell them to pick it up. Tell them not to do that. I was like, just know you guys have a target on your backs already being football players. Everyone knows football mm-hmm. players is being, being you know, yeah. jerks or... Rowdy. Or rowdy. Or, you know, don't they don't care. They're just... They're just this cocky, this, yeah, yeah. cocky jock. Yeah, just walk around like being being bullies and what. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm like, you guys already have a bad reputation. You guys, you guys need to set the example and set the bar. Like, hey, we're gonna be these type of people. We're not gonna be that stereotypical football player. We're gonna withhold, we're gonna withhold the rules. 
we're gonna be we're gonna hold each and every person accountable for their actions, and that's one of the things we're trying to instill in them. Because we can't have our kids going around, you know, throwing food, doing all that, because it's a little disrespectful things like that. If we let slide, then it's going to add up. Oh, if I can do this, then I can do this. Mm-hmm. If I can do that, I can do this. And this and that, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger until you're finally like, oh, well, you can't do that. But he's like, oh, if I did all this to add it up to that, then it's like, well, you're kind of in a predicament. He's like, yeah, I did let that slide. <laughs> Like, I didn't discipline you for that. Right. I should have, but I didn't. It's like, dang. But if you catch those little things and you work on it now, then these kids are going to establish that trait. And these kids are going to establish, like, hey, this is the way to go. So that's why it's the little work ethics. Mm-hmm. That help the discipline and the hard work, you know, will start building them young. Don't let these habits get out of control because then you're going to lose a kid from wanting to work hard and being disciplined to being lazy and like, oh, I don't want to do this. Right. You know, if we instill those little work habits now, they're going to they're gonna pick up on it. And hopefully when we pick up, when we say they pick up on it, it's something that stays with them from childhood, teenage years, adulthood, even in the early elders, elder years to where you physically need someone to take care of you. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm hoping... Those little work ethics that we start young stay with them. For the most part, I feel like for kids and, and adults to do, it all depends on how you're raised. Mm-hmm. If you're raised to work hard, then you're going to work hard. Mm-hmm. If you're not raised to work hard, then you're just going to be like, give me this, give me that. But you're not going to get it. Yeah, exactly. And that's where people, I feel, get frustrated. Mm-hmm. They get upset because they're like, oh, I want this, I want that. Mm-hmm. And it don't work like that. It don't. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know about everybody else, but I know I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. And God says, ask and you shall receive. And one of the big things is people think like, oh, if I ask, yeah. then I'm just going to get it. Mm-hmm. It's like, no. Man. Like Santa or something. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, no. Just because you ask, yeah. God says, ask, and you will receive. And this is as a religious standpoint. Ask, and you will receive. And he means it, but you still got to do a little bit of work, if you get what I'm saying. You Mm -hmm. still got to spiritually be growing with God. You can't just be like, out of the blue one day, God, give me this. Mm -hmm. And then he doesn't give it to you. You're going to get mad at him if it doesn't happen within that hour, Mm -hmm. within that, that day or two days. Because it's like asking I receive, but he never said like when you gonna get it. Mm-hmm. He never said you gonna get it right this second. Asking you to receive right now. No, it doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. It just says asking you to receive. So it's always like you gotta have that patience and you gotta work too. You still gotta grow with God. You gotta still gotta talk to God. God wants to know you too. So it's like you still gotta work and and grow. Mm-hmm. And it's still, and it's still give something in order. It's not just gonna be like, "Hey, can I get this?" And then, boom, mm-hmm. I have it. Yeah, exactly. That's what a lot of kids nowadays. I feel like with everything they do, they're just like, "Boom, I want this." Yeah, instant, instantly. Like, 
Oh, here you go. Here you go, like, Chris. Here's a trophy for coming in last place. Yeah. You may not have you may not have won, but you're still getting rewarded. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, Chad, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Oh, I watched TV until game time. Then I got up and went. Mm-hmm. And then let's say, let's say Terry over here came in first. Terry, what did you do to prepare? Terry's over here. Oh, I was training this long, this long, this long, this long. Well, mm-hmm. That's why Terry won in Chad. You thinking you came in last place to got trophy means something. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it don't mean something for the people out there that go through that, but you're not working hard. So mm-hmm. what, what does that trophy really stand for? Like Terry's trophy stands for the hard work, everything he put into it. But what does this trophy stand for? Right. It don't stand for nothing. Yeah. You didn't really work for it. They're just giving it to you out of pity, mm-hmm. out of sympathy. Like, hey, you, didn't work, <laughs> you didn't work hard, but here's a trophy. Mm-hmm. You worked hard, but here's a trophy. He's like, sorry, Chad. Mm-hmm. That's a pity trophy. <laughs> right. And that's one of the big, big things with, like, youth sports now, the participation trophies. I mean, real life's not like that. You know what I mean? If you just look at, like, someone that, let's say you're in your position coaching, right? If someone's coaching, the best coach who puts in the most work, they're going to eventually move up, and they're going to get rewarded for it. They might win coach of the year or whatever. They just might move up from freshman to JV to varsity to maybe college, right? And, and the same thing in the industry I want to get into, right? If you're a great broadcaster and you work hard and, and whatever, you're going to eventually get, you know, to ESPN one day. But not the, you know, not every broadcaster works the same amount of hard and the person who works the least amount of hard, they shouldn't expect to get to ESPN if they're not putting in the same kind of work as the best broadcaster. You know, what you, you feel what I'm saying? Exactly. So it's just like it's their different levels. You know what I mean? And you can apply that to anything, whether it's you know coaching, teaching, you know, tow truck driving. You know, I don't I don't care what your position is. That's just how life works. You know, the in sales specifically, right? Because I also work as a personal trainer, and you gotta sell yourself, sell exactly. sell your ability, sell your training knowledge, and that kind of stuff. But you know, especially in sales, whether it's, you know, car sales or whatever kind of sales it is, the people who work the hardest and put the most time in and, and you know, grind the most and have, you know, work on their skill set, they have the most sales, therefore they make the most money. And the people who don't, they're not making the money, right? So it's, it, it's, it's super important, I think, that kids understand that at a young age, but we're doing the exact opposite, saying, oh, especially now, too, you know, I, I don't have any... I don't know anyone playing youth sports right now, but like a lot of times, like from what I heard, you know, the youth trophies, whether you're in last place or first place, you usually get the same trophy. And I think that's like, that's not, mm, it kind of takes away from that. You know, what's the point of winning first place? You know what I mean? Exactly. You see, at that point, the reason why I disagree with that is there's there's a few reasons, but the, re- the reason why I mainly and I strongly disagree with giving last place a trophy or the same trophy as first place is because then it's like you're saying to this kid that came in last place like hey you didn't work hard or you didn't work hard or you didn't work hard enough because I don't want to say that the kid in last place automatically just didn't work hard yeah so I want to say like you you didn't work hard enough but it's going to take away the accomplishment from the the guy or the girl that, you know, worked day in, day out, 
hour for hour, minute for minute, second for second, gave it her best each and every go, you know, worked her butt off, gave it everything she got on everything, on everything the coaches asked for and all that. And then you have the guy over here who whacked off and it is sat in the back in the drills so he didn't have to do it because he wasn't sure what was going on. Yeah. You, you know, give him the tro- same trophy saying your work ethic is just as good as his. Mm-hmm. So you're going to receive the same amount. You're going to see the same reward as him. And then, like, you're bringing it into real life. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm a janitor. I'm coming into this multi-million dollar company. <laughs> Or like say the Nike Corporation. I'm a corporate. I'm working in the corporate office of Nike. I'm the janitor. And I'm upset now because I'm the janitor. But I ain't getting paid like I'm the CEO. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> it don't work like that. Yeah. Like on a respect level, the janitor needs to get the same respect as the CEO. But on a pay level, bro, the work you are doing or the work you may have put in is definitely not going to be equivalent to work that the CEO is putting. So you mm-hmm. can't expect to get paid at the same level the CEOs get paid at. But at the same time, giving these kids these trophies, and the same as the first place and the same as the last place, we're instilling that these kids at a young age, like you as a janitor, will get paid the same mm-hmm. as a CEO or the owner of the company, mm-hmm. which in reality just isn't true because then that kid's going to be like, oh, I don't have to work hard. I don't have to, I don't have to give it day in, day out hour for hour, you know, give my best effort every single time, every single play, whatever it is. I'm not going to have to read all these textbooks. I'm not going to have to do my homework. I'm not going to have to turn in my project or get this mm-hmm. get this um, report my boss wants on the desk on time. Yeah. You know, I could be late to doing all that because I don't have to work hard. I'm still going to get paid. Yeah. It's the same amount as the CEO, but I'm the CEO. And everything I do is on time. Everything I do has to be on time. If it is on time, I'm fired. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. So, one, I'm gonna have it on time, if not early. But this man still gonna get paid the same as me. Well, I turn everything in on time mm-hmm. or early, and this man turns everything in late, half done, half, half uh, crumpled up, half, half, you know, non wrinkled. You know, just looking like a mess. Looking like a yellow plaid with a black plaid or something. Yeah, I mean, you just can't wear two plaid, two different colored plaids at once, and that's what your paper looking like. And you yeah. expected to get paid like your paper looking like that? What Louis Vuitton suit or something? <laughs> you got Louis Vuitton versus Ross. Who? Which one you don't think costs more? Right. Ross ain't gonna cost the same as Louis Vuitton. Mm-hmm. And I ain't mean to hate on anyone that's stuck in that that situation, but if you're stuck in that situation, y'all gotta work harder. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I'm going to use a personal example of my life. There's been a point in time where I I was homeless, mm-hmm. but I ain't let that situation or that environment choose where I was going to go. I'm not one of, one of those people that's like, oh, I'll be living under a bridge, mm-hmm. living in a tent. And, you know, I'm not going to disrespect my people that are doing that because I don't know what they're going through. But what I was going through, I was not going to let my situation hold me down. Mm-hmm. I was working my my butt off. I was sleeping in my girlfriend's car at Schaefer Park. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would go to sleep at, like, 2, 3 in the morning, so I only had to stay there till like, 6. Mm-hmm. Wake up, go to the gym, 
you know, go to her house, eat breakfast, chill for like maybe an hour, then go on about my day, go to work and try to do whatever it was I did to make money and then start that process over. But I would do it every single day until I finally was able to go buy a room. Mm-hmm. You know, I was able to get a car. I was able to find a better paying job. And now that put, got me back, back on my feet rather than, oh, I'm homeless. Mm-hmm. Woe is me, woe is me. I'm not going to try go out, look for a job. I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to sit here and ask for money and ask for this, ask for that, and hope that it comes out at some point. Mm-hmm. So it don't work like that, bro. If you're not willing to put in the work, then you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. And that's what giving these kids that come in last place a trophy that's equivalent to coming in first place is basically doing. We're basically saying, like, hey, it works like that. But it don't. And they don't see that reality coming because as kids, they just know what they're taught. And we're teaching them like, hey, you don't have to work hard. But in reality, you do. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is you want, you got to work hard for. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to work hard for it, the odds are you're not going to achieve it. Mm-hmm. There's that lucky few that do. But odds are you're not going to achieve it. Not all of us are that lucky. Mm-hmm. The sad, that's the sad truth. Yeah. So the next the next thing I wanted to ask you is because you coach and I've coached too. We both work with kids, the youth, and a lot of the people we the kids we work with they're born the year after two thousand or around that age, right, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, and and so on. So they're a lot younger than us, right, and they grew up differently. But to keep with the same topic, I mean, do you feel like the generational differences between you know the kids we went to high school with and the the era that we were brought up with compared to the kids now that are in high school, middle school, and that, so on and so forth? you feel like they have the same hard work ethic or they're capable of work the same work ethic? <laughs> man, that's, that's a funny one, man. <laughs> See, personally, I think kids now that they are soft, but that is, that's me personally. See, as a football coach, you and I went through the same same hell week. See, you and I played on the same high school team, Villa Party, and you, you and I both know we was there 8 a.m., to 9 p.m. during Hell Week. Yeah. We had 13-hour days where we was doing offense, special teams, defense for a week. And we even had a pre-Hell pre Week yeah. before Hell Week, which was some bull crap that answers <laughs> pulled. But at the same time, at the same time, like, that's the type of stuff that turns you into a winning program because that's the type of stuff that, that teaches you the discipline. Like, hey, yeah, it's not just one week. Is two weeks, and that's something that can happen in real life. But back to what I was saying is nowadays, you know, we only allowed to spend a certain amount of hours with these kids all summer. These kids don't even have hell week no more, man. The only time we work with these kids from nine to eleven the whole summer. Like when I say the whole summer, they got a three week break, and then we went the whole summer, which is basically a month of football. It's like no hell week like where we got a three week break. Mm-hmm. We did like a month of hell, a month of football, and then we got a week break, and then we went to two weeks of hell week, and then we went to right back to regular schedule, mm-hmm. and then back to school. These kids nowadays, I got kids coming up to me saying, "Oh, coach, I jammed my finger. I had to go to a trainer." Bro, we went to a trainer when we were in high school. Bro, people would laugh at us. That's an embarrassment. You like tape, mm-hmm. tape it up, bro. Tape it up or. or Quit, quit, quit whining. Mm-hmm. It's your finger, dog. You're not a quarterback. <laughs> you don't need that. Yeah. You're not a receiver. You don't need that. And nowadays, it's like, hey, bro, are you hurt or are you injured? And they, 
they don't understand the difference. Mm-hmm. You can play if you're hurt. You can't, can't play, play if you're injured. injured. Yeah. Kids don't know the difference. I'm yelling at kids on my football team because they're making fun of one kid because they're like, oh, man, you just hurt. You just hurt. Bro, this kid almost pulled his Achilles. Almost oh. tore his Achilles. That's a two-year injury. Yeah. Bro. I'm telling all these kids, you know, stop making fun of this kid. Yeah. Like, first of all, I'm like, first of all, hey, man, you came out because you can't cr- you cramp up all the time and you complaining. Like, bro, you got carried off for a cramp. I was like, the other dude making fun of the book. I was like, bro, you done jumped trying to swat the ball and pulled your groin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who are you to make fun of this kid? Yeah. I'm like, y'all, y'all all soft. Mm-hmm. Like, y'all, you guys don't understand. Y'all soft. You're playing a contact sport. I got kids tackling kids saying sorry. Mm. Bro, that, yeah. I'm a defensive coordinator, and that is probably one of my biggest pet peeves as a defensive coach. I'm like, bro. Are you saying sorry? You playing a contact sport? Light this man up and then tell him you're gonna light him up again. <laughs> I was like, don't tell him, don't say sorry. Yeah. Oh, he hit the ground. You're sorry? Bro, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to push him to the ground. I was like, dang. I was like, when I was in high school, I remember shoot. We was fighting our teammates. Yeah. <laughs> I was fighting. I remember there was one play. I don't know if you were still. I don't know if you were in the same year. There was a play with me and Michael Harlan on the sideline. You know, I he I blocked Johnny, and then Johnny thought it was a cheap shot. So the next play, they came in, and Michael Michael Harlan hit me out of bounds late. I just remember grabbing his face mask and then like going at it, and then just everyone running in. I just got up. First thing I did, didn't think about nothing. Grabbed his face mask and then tried to throw him to the ground. And we just fighting each other. Uh-huh. Nowadays, the most you gonna see like with the with the passion and aggression, I see kids just like barely pushing each other. Like mm-hmm. I was like, bro, my grandma, eighty three years old, <laughs> could throw a better hook than you. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man! Like, they don't have that. We 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 not installing that same work ethic. We taking away that. At, we actually taking away the the opportunity for coaches to install that work ethic. Because mm-hmm. now we got parents. So we had a JV. We had the JV kids practicing with the freshman kids, and, and you know the varsity head coach is calling our our head coach because he he's mad that. That we got parents calling, we got parents calling because they think their kids are hidden dummies, mm. and, and you know, as coaches, we're never gonna put, we're never gonna put our kids out there just to be in danger. So, mm. I'm not gonna say that the varsity head coach was wrong for being concerned because that's what you want. You like to see a coach concerned for his players because ultimately we're protecting these kids. Mm-hmm. So I like to see that. I thought that was a cool thing to see, but. As football coaches, if we're concerned with the the thought of the parents, you know, getting mad at their kids for tackling in a sport where you're supposed to be tackled or you're supposed to tackle, yeah. then it, it, it takes away from the game. Mm-hmm. It, and it's starting to show because, you know, nowadays when we teach tackling, it's like we can't really do the drills we want to do that, oh, we, yeah. that we did that you and I mm-hmm. had gone through, like Oklahoma drill. Basically, like a sin. I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like it, we've done it before, but I feel like that Oklahoma drill when we do it is is like 
Oh, we're doing a sin. <laughs> we sin it right now. Like, we're not supposed to be doing That's this. That's the forbidden fruit. Yeah, like we're not supposed to be doing we're not supposed to be doing this right now. Yeah. And, and it's like it's crazy, man. Because like these kids we can't teach them like the hard work that we had to go through was kinda like built us into the way this I remember I was like, Oh, we got hell week coming up. So we had a three week break. Man, I was on the track at 6 a.m. every morning and from every morning I think it was you mm-hmm. and everyone else I was calling like hey bro I'm gonna come I'm gonna come to the field at Villa Park I'm gonna run a mile that'll take like 10 minutes like 6.30 let's go to the field like try and cover me cause y'all can't cover me <laughs> like I talk smack just try and get you guys out there so I so I could have another person to train with yeah and I know you was always down and some other people was always down we needed I'd always be calling the quarterbacks like, hey, bro, 6.30, I know it's early, but I'm trying to win some championships, dog, and I, I want to put that work in. Like, mm-hmm. I want to put that work in. So it was 6 a.m., I was running on the track. I'd, 5, 5.30, I'd wake up, get dressed in the dark because me and my brother shared a room, so I didn't want to wake him up. <laughs> so I'd get dressed in the dark, walk to Villa Park at like 5.45, cold as hell sometimes. I'd be walking thinking, what the hell am I getting myself into? Like, why am I doing this? I should just cancel. Mm-hmm. But find myself always just sticking it out. And then 6 a.m., I'd be on the track running a mile. Like, damn, I hate this mile. Like, damn, I hate this mile. Never never ended up saying, damn, I like this mile. Never said <laughs> that. <laughs> but I was running that mile for three weeks straight. And then I was running routes right after that. I'd wait for the quarterback to get here, the DBs to get here. I'd run routes before the DBs got there. DBs get there, I go one on one with the DBs, and then I do that, and then I chill, go get something to eat, wait for the weight room to open at nine o'clock, go to the weight room, work out, and then walk, then walk home. Mm-hmm. Try and find a ride home. I try and find a ride home first and foremost, <laughs> but if I couldn't, I walk home, mm-hmm. go to sleep, wake up, go to the gym, do the second part of my workout, probably run a little more, and then go back to bed. <laughs> I ain't believe in party. Mm-hmm. I go out every now and then, but I ain't believe in party. I ain't go to any dances, none of that, because I was like, oh, I got to work out. Yeah. I got to get ready. I'm trying to get, make it to the league, man. Like, all I wanted to do was grind. Like, it was hard work, hard work, hard work. And I feel like that, a lot of that came from having to do that 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. every summer. Like, not having a summer because it's all football. Yeah. Had to do this for football. Had to do that for football. It's all football. And it's like, I got to take that next step to be the best. And then one quote that stuck with me, that was from a quarterback that didn't really make it, but he was a great athlete, was Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. And he he said that I got to I gotta feel like, you got to feel like you worked harder than everybody on this planet. Mm-hmm. Before you go to bed, that you gotta feel like you worked harder than everybody else on this planet, and to do that, you gotta work pretty damn hard. <laughs> yeah, you do. And that always stuck with me. So every time I was training, that thing was I was like, dang, I gotta feel like I out training everybody, mm-hmm. not just each, not just like the high school kids, not yeah. just the college kids, but I gotta out train everybody, which means even the man who said that, mm-hmm. I gotta out train him. If I wasn't feeling like I out-trained them, then I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. I was like, I still got to do it. I still got motivated. I mean, you personally, vouch for, I was always hitting you up saying, like, hey, Noah. No, I know. I remember. Let's, let's go get this workout, bro. Like, 
I ain't got no car, but I'll meet you over here. Like, I'll walk over here if I have to. Let's go get this workout. Mm-hmm. And we'd do it. No matter what it took, we'd do it. i walk wherever I had to. i ride my bike wherever I had to. And it's like some of these kids don't have that same work ethic because we're not able to install that in them. Mm-hmm. As coaches, we're not really able to help them because we only with them for two hours a day. Mm-hmm. It's like we got to teach them about the football at two hours a day, and then we got to discipline them if they acting wrong. But we're not really teaching them these life values. Mm-hmm. They're not with us all day. We can't sit down and have, like, conversations with them because we only with them for two hours. Mm-hmm. So that two hours has to strictly be football rather than sitting down and, like, doing the other aspects of coaching, which is making sure they good at home. They doing good in class. They mm-hmm. doing good in general as a person because it's just like we said, we can't lose track of one of, one of the main things, and that is God said, love it. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. And as a coach, we got to love these kids like they are our own kids. Yeah. So we got to make sure these kids are are good because these are basically mm-hmm. our brothers and sisters. You know what I'm saying? They're like our little kids. Like like I said earlier, I ain't trying to be known as daddy. <laughs> but they, they like our kids. When we have them, they like our kids for two hours. Right. We have them as coaches. Those are our kids for two hours. So we got to take care and make sure they good. Mm-hmm. And not just football, but school, like hitting the books like the end. In life, them as a person, you know, at the end of the day, they're humans. Mm-hmm. They're not just objects. And we got to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And then we got to show them that same value of hard work we want from them that we have as coaches. We can't, we can't ask them to work this hard. And then us ourselves. Just sit back, feet up. Like, hey man, go run a mile. Yeah. Under six minutes. Coach, how fast are you running a mile? Like ten minutes. So <laughs> why we gotta run it under six? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like I I never respected that coach. So as a coach, I won't ask you to do something I can't do. Mm-hmm. But I'm at the same time, I'm that coach that I'll get my cleats on. I'll show you I can do what I what I can do what I say I can do. Mm-hmm. My work going back up what I say. Exactly. And that's what I want these kids to understand. Whatever it is you do, whether it's football, whether it's being business owner, whether it's working at McDonald's, flipping burgers, you're gonna flip the best damn burgers you <laughs> someone ever ate, you know. <laughs> but no matter what it is, just work hard at it. That's that's one of the biggest things I say, is just always work hard. Yeah. Be determined to achieve whatever goal it is you guys set. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing you're talking about the eight to nine hell weeks at Villa Park, man. Those are those are a hell for sure. But like you know, in, in life, there's a lot of days. Even now, in my schedule now, tomorrow I gotta be up at like six because I have a client at seven, and then you know, still hanging out at work maybe till like nine or ten. They go home, cook, and then I have some studying to do. And then at by like two o'clock, I'm heading over to Fullerton. And, Fullerton College, I'm doing more studying, but then I'm also preparing for like interviewing the coaches, interviewing the players, going out to practice, getting footage. And, and then after that, I have to go edit, right? I'm editing, putting all the clips together. And then after that, by the time I'm done with all the editing, it's probably like 9, 10, I get to head home, but I still have more stuff to do for, you know, whether it's the Friday night football broadcast, the, the, the high school game I'm going to do, or the Saturday game that I have for Fullerton College, you know, being a part of. So like, you know, for sure, like my schedule now is like seven to seven to eleven, seven to twelve sometimes, seven to even like one a.m. and and that's how it was when I was in college too. And so, you know, getting used to that habit in high school, that I feel like that was really beneficial for me, just because 
now I have that work ethic where I can wake up from work from, you know, six to 12, six to, you know I mean? I can go 14, 15 hours in a day with like little rest here and there, just like we did in the eight to nine hell weeks because I was, you know, programmed and had to do that through high school, you know? Oh yeah, I definitely get that, but it does play a big factor in a lot of things, bro, because now when I was working that 6.30 a.m. job, like you were saying, just being able to wake up at 6.30 a.m. in high school when I'm young and instilling that in me, like, I became a morning person. At first, I wasn't really a morning <laughs> person, but with just having that schedule made me readjust, like, hey, my schedule's going to be morning, so might as well get used to working mornings. Cause it's like you were saying with your jam pack schedule when I first started this job three weeks ago, man. Before I was working Thursdays, I think that first week I got this security job at the campus, man. I worked six thirty to three, and then three to six coaching because we had a game, and then I got to chill for maybe like an hour and a half, and then go go to foot go work at the copper door. And that ended up being like six thirty, six thirty to about two thirty, two thirty, three thirty a.m., which would have been like a twenty-one hour day. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I got cut at midnight, so <laughs> I didn't. I didn't work that whole time, but that would have been just, just killing. It. It's like work coaching. I mean, going through that hell week at Villa Park, just that thirteen-hour day right there already instilled me to be like physically and mentally prepared to do something such as that but like mm-hmm. the time period that that one when that is hard to say like I was ready for it because 21 hours out of 24 mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone really could be ready for that you know it takes a lot of time to get ready for that of I course tell you, yeah. I was not ready for that <laughs> <laughs> That took a lot for me. I was I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. I remember she, my girlfriend, she ended up getting mad at me because I was like, yeah, I don't want to talk. I just want to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, yeah, after fourteen hours of work, I don't blame you. It's like I was like, uh, I don't want to talk. But I was like, I'll mm-hmm. talk a little, but just know if I fall asleep in the middle of this conversation, because mm-hmm. I was working hard. I wasn't hardly working. I was working on mm. some people hardly work but mm-hmm. I wasn't I'm not that person mm-hmm. I put 110 into everything and then and then one thing just cause just go back to the kids now the youth now you think they're soft and I don't think they're capable of working hard as generations before but I think that's gonna hurt our society as a whole in the long run right cause they're gonna enter the workforce pretty soon right? some of them are probably already into the workforce I know you know uh, one of my jobs there's a kid, he's 19, but he was born in 2000, you know what I mean? So, like, we're already yeah. starting to have those 2,000 kids. And, but that basically leads me to the next question is, like, do you think we'll ever be able to reverse it? We'll be ever able to reverse these kids not to be as soft, reverse the youth to not um, to have that more hard work ethic and maybe, let's say, football programs in high school we're allowed to spend more time with them again or just that kind of stuff. We're able to reverse kind of, like, what we've done now is, like, the past 10 or 5 to 10 years. You know, I'm going to say, yeah, because hard work is definitely something that can be taught in an aspect. It's like a tricky subject. It can be taught, and there's 
people, or I would say if you take the appropriate steps and being able to train and work with kids as like a football coach from my aspect, I'm only allowed to work with these kids for an X amount of time as a football coach. But when my time as a football coach is over, I'm like, hey, if any of you guys want that extra work like outside of the program, like I'm going to train you as if I'm training a private client. You know, but I'm not going to charge you guys. Mm-hmm. I ain't here to take the money of a 14-year-old person. This is just something that I work hard at. Fitness and training and coaching is something that I work hard at so I can help the, I can help the youth. So what I'll tell these kids is, if you guys ever want that extra work, you know, let me know. I'll come down early. I'll stay later if you guys want to do that work. You know, it's not going to be for the school. So when we're training, I'm not going to train you with the formations or the plays that we have at the school. Because one, I can't be going over the time like that. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be training you as if we're working, like, agility, footwork, and all that. That's what we're going to be doing, you know. Just doing that alone, if I keep, if I have people that do it, those kids are normally the kids that are like, okay, they want to put that extra work in. Mm-hmm. So it's like they they have that will and they have that drive. I just for a lot of people out there, a lot of people have that will and that drive. It's just, do you have that person that's gonna motivate you? Mm-hmm. Do you have that person that's gonna push you? Do you have that person mm-hmm. that's gonna start? Or ignite your drive because if you don't have that person and it, it's never ignit- that that drive is never ignited then it's like this person has the will he has the drive he has the passion to work hard but there's just no one that's been able to push him mm-hmm. no one pushed him to work hard or stay straight like one of the people I want to say I want to I use and you know I don't want to talk bad about him but it's, it's like Johnny Football mm-hmm if he would have been, I feel like if someone would have disciplined him more, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that he isn't disciplined, but we all saw when he made it to the NFL, he was more worried about the reputation. He was known for a reputation. He, yeah. I couldn't even tell you any stats on this man as a, <laughs> as a quarterback. I knew he made it to the league, and I knew he played some games on the Browns, but... What he did, I know more. I know more of him for his off the field characteristics and antics than mm-hmm. on the field because he would know. We didn't. They didn't. As coaches, they didn't discipline him well enough for him to understand that you can't go out and do that. Right. That there's going to be consequences for your action. You just lost probably the best contract you could have ever made. Mm-hmm. You know whether that's what he wanted. If he just wants to play the game, then he's doing good because he's in the Canadian Football League or. Yeah, he needs to understand that his actions are, there's going to be repercussions for every action that is going to yeah. and like he's he reminds me of the perfect example because at every high school I'm sure there was kids in your grade and there was kids in my grade and kids in the grades before me there's always that superstar on the high school team that you know sometimes the high school coaches will let kind of slide by you know what I mean and, and you like we said I'm not going to name drop anyone but those people who know who they are and I felt like Johnny Menzel was one of those cases where in high school probably got away with a lot of things. Coaches would cover stuff up for him just so he could be on the team and play Friday nights. And then same thing in college, really. I mean, that's one thing, you know, Kevin Sumlin, Texas A&M, I, I don't know him personally. I don't know. I've never been to his program. But I could say, you know, he let a lot of things go on on the side, you know, through Johnny Menzel's college career, which eventually, you know, translated to NFL. And he got away thinking – 
he got into the NFL, he got into the league thinking, hey, I can still do all this stuff because I got away with it in high school, I got away with it in college, now I can do this stuff in the pros too and still play on Sundays. But that that's not the case, you know what I mean? And I, I just, you know, to anybody who's listening out there, you know, don't be that person in high school that gets away because you're too good or, you know what I mean, you're, you're the best superstar or whatever on the team. Don't let that get into your head because there's going to be a time and place where they're not going to let you slide because you're not good enough. And then all of a sudden it's going to hit you like, oh shit, like I can't be carried through this. I can't be helped. I can't be, you know, they're, they're not going to let me slide on this one because I'm no longer good enough to that point to be let slid, I guess. Exactly. The only thing I have to say to these young, to the young listeners out here, or to anyone that's listening that might be in the state of mind, you, you know, just work hard and humble yourself. You know, I was never that person that really went on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, all that. I never was really one of that person that was like, oh, I'm out here doing this, I'm out here doing that. I just went out and got it. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when it was time to put, one of the biggest quotes I like is, it's not about what you do on the field, it's about what you do off the field. So, you know, or not off the field, it's not what you do, the saying goes, it's not what you do in front of everybody that's watching you, but it's what you do when nobody's watching. Mm-hmm. And that that that's one of the quotes that stuck by me too, because it's like, hard work needs to be put in when nobody's watching. Mm-hmm. It's like when the camera's not on, exactly. when you know, when no one's around. Exactly, it's not about having the people watch you. It's not about that. It's about the hard work. Cause you're not gonna be able to sit there and perform like a Antonio Brown, like Antonio Brown. Another perfect example wasn't disciplined enough or, or, <laughs> some, or something. <laughs> something happened over one TV show. Over one season, off season became worse than it. Terrell Owens, chat up to a single man, or he's falling in that category. But it's like, it, it, I don't want to say he wasn't disciplined as a, as a child or, or he wasn't disciplined, but I think some actions weren't taken where he let his actions slide. Like some someone should have said, hey, you can't do that. Yeah. At a certain point, you can't do that. It was, what you're doing is going to counteract and come back at you. And now look at him. On the Raiders, got kicked off, got dropped. On the Patriots for 11 days, done, got accused of sexual assault by like two or three different women, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's like, if the discipline was harder, because I'm not going to say it wasn't there, but if it was a little harder, or he had to do a little more with his punishment, maybe those... Maybe those Allegations don't come up because maybe that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. or maybe those little antics don't happen. They're like they don't. Then they we don't have those outbursts. We don't have those because I I didn't have discipline at a young age, and boy, I was a loose cannon on the football field. I'd fight the first person that looked at me wrong. If I scored a touchdown, I was celebrating. I was off the field. I was talking smack. I wanted all eyes on me. And then I got that discipline, and then I, I got that humbleness, and I became humble. And then I started seeing my working hard off the field, not really bringing it into the light, mm-hmm. and just having people like, "Oh wow, bro, you got good." Mm-hmm. Probably one of the best feelings you get. Yeah, kind of letting your play 
and your skill set talk for itself. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's like the best way to display that. Exactly. So for all the people listening out there, that's what I have to say. It's just humble yourself and work hard every play. Mm-hmm. Always focus on what you're doing when no one's around. Mm-hmm. And never really put too much on what you're doing when everyone's around. Because if you're working hard and you putting your body through the proper mechanics and, and your mind through the proper steps of what you're doing when nobody's around, and when everyone's around, you're going to flow through it. Mm-hmm. Like, look at Antonio Brown again. <laughs> Amazing athlete. Look, I, you don't see receivers doing the type of things he's doing as a receiver. And it's not like he's a young cat in the game, too. He's been in it for a while, and he's tearing up the defense as if he was a rookie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he works hard. At what he does, he's great at his craft, and that's a definition where it's like he works hard and he has that potential. But someone did not ignite that part to where it's like you, you can't do that. You didn't discipline. You need mm-hmm. discipline a little more. You need discipline a little harder. You need to let him know he can't do that. You know, instead of saying, "Oh, you're gonna turn your brown and can slide this stuff." Yeah, yeah it's okay, man. You ain't, we ain't gonna come at you, bro. You know, that's that's where I feel people kind of let him down in that aspect. Yeah. In a way. Moral of the story for the parents, the teachers, and the principals, discipline your kids. Exactly. So they'll end up like Antonio Brown or Johnny Manziel, you know. It, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to suck for the kids at that time. They may hate it. They may hate you. But I think in the long run, that's the best gift you can give them. And they'll, they'll realize that when they're older. You know, I think that's one thing I'm grateful for. I can look back. As a, an adult now, look back at all the disciplinary actions I received from grandparents, parents, uncles, aunts, coaches, anything. And that's helped me become a better person that I am now today. If it wasn't for my mom, the way she disciplined me, I wouldn't be the man I am. <laughs> I got a lot to thank her for. And first and foremost, all, almighty praise goes out to the one and almighty. You know, people people need to understand you always got you always got two ears and a helping hand in our Lord. I really appreciate you, man, for hopping on the show. Oh bro, I appreciate you having me on the show. Mm-hmm. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the My Mike and I podcast. I'm Noah Alvarez. Happy October. A reminder. Go follow me on Instagram, noha underscore Alvarez. Also follow the My Mike and I Instagram page, my period Mike and period I. Also go follow me on Twitter at underscore Noah Alvarez. Uh, you know, I post a lot of questions from time to time. I'll answer those in the intro. So if you want your voice heard on the show, I think it's kind of a cool way to interact with fans. Definitely go check out that. Follow me on those. Reminder, this podcast will be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play. Be sure to leave a rating and review. Also, follow us. Also, subscribe. Word of mouth is a cool way to spread the word of the podcast as well. Anything you guys can do to help advertise the podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it. Much love to everyone that's listening. That's going to do it for this week's show. I'm Noah Alvarez of the My Mike and I podcast, signing off. Till next time.